Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 103 of Geek Town Radio. I have with me this week, Matt. Hi, David. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Good. Been in good health for the last couple of weeks, um, which Excellent. has continued from last time I spoke to you. I can't remember which podcast it was on. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, been in pretty good health. Not sure where it's good. come from, but um, it has good. continued, so which is should... nice and I appreciate Yes, where it should be. Yeah. So what have you been up to? I played a game recently that uh, was in development for six years um, and wow. came out came out in December, but I've just got around to um, playing it uh, last week or so, or the last couple of weeks. I've finished it now. That's uh, Lost Guardian. I don't know if you've if you heard of that or I, have played I'm, it at all. Yeah, I haven't played it. I know the name, but I haven't actually played it. A way to describe it would be... I, I have a, a we have a puppy at, at this house which doesn't quite listen to and chooses when it wants to listen to you. <laughs> it's a bit like if you raise the size of the animal and lower the size of you, make that a game and kind of go from there. Because <laughs> it, it, in Last Guardian, sometimes the because you like climb on the the guardian. Uh, his name is uh, Trico or no Tirico, Trico. Or yeah, I think it's yeah. Trico. Um, you climb on him and sometimes he detects where to jump and he does it automatically and you can literally put your controller down. And other times, if there's more than one area available for him to jump to, he will sometimes jump jump to either the wrong one or somewhere else. So then sometimes you have to tell him where to jump to. So right. it's a bit like basically like controlling a digital animal that's bigger than you, one that you have to <laughs> climb on. It happened to be twice actually where... He was he was jumping downwards to where he was supposed to go, and then I was at the last jump, and then suddenly, for whatever reason, he turned around and jumped all the way back the other way, and that happened twice. Oh no! It was just so, and the only way for me to stop it was for me to jump off um, uh, Tiriko and then call him back, and then get back on him, and then command him to go where he was going. Uh, So yeah, there was some. There's clearly some like AI kind of problems. Yeah, it's such a shame with games that, you know, as you say, six years in development uh, and there are still issues with the AI and it's that's such a shame because it can really destroy it you know what should be a great game by just not having mm. the controllers working correctly yeah you kind of you kind of tell it was meant for the ps3 but just missed the generation and then they had to ah. they were still working on it and then it was cool in between you know like when the new consoles come out and it's sort of in between generations and then they obviously decide to push it a couple more years and yeah. then finally release it on the ps4 yeah. um a bit like a bit like what's happening with zelda there was supposed to be a wii u game and it's coming out on it's actually coming out on the wii u and the switch so it's a bit of that kind of situation yeah so yeah that was fun and frustrating um 
I sent out one or two frustrating tweets um, <laughs> about that, which was uh, which was good because you can take screenshots with the PlayStation and then you can tweet them straight out. So it's not like you oh, good. Yeah. take a photo with your phone and then you tweet it out. You can do it directly from the PlayStation, which is that's, really good. That's good. Yeah. So when the power of the uh, of the share button can do a lot of things. Yeah. Played the order eighteen eighty six. I'm currently playing that until um, Horizon Zero Dawn comes out tomorrow. Right. I'm not sure if I'll be able to get it tomorrow or with, within the, the next week or so. It's on its way, so we'll, we'll see when it, when it turns up. The Order was, I think it was released the year after the PS4 came out, so it was kind of an early sort of, this is what the PS4 can do, but it's sort of in the early stages kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, have you played that? I haven't, no, because I, I saw the reviews for it weren't particularly good, so I didn't bother. How is it? Are you enjoying it? Um, It's pretty good, yeah. The um shooting sequences are pretty good. The uh, cutscenes are quite cinematic. It's quite good. There's some interesting different weapons that you get kind of handed to you and you meet some different um engineers and stuff and they give you different weapons that you try out and you actually meet this character who's like i'm really honored that you're trying my weapons and like because you're like this special ranger and stuff like that so yeah it's yeah. quite fun it's apparently quite short and i i don't know how long i've actually played of it so yes should be finished with that soon and then i can move on to horizon yeah what else do i have yeah this nintendo switch is out on friday so that's quite interesting have you had any look, look at it at all i have i've avoided the nintendo pretty much since the original Wii. I mean, I've got an Xbox and I've got a PlayStation now. I I doubt I will be buying the Switch. Okay. Just because, I, I mean, I know Zelda's supposed to be very good. That's been getting some really good reviews. Yeah, that's clearly they're like, look, we have Zelda. Yeah. And then, but wait, it, do you remember? We have Zelda. Yeah. And then, wait, do you remember? <laughs> we have Zelda. So that wears out to look, we have Mario. Yeah, it's, it's a little... <sighs> It's a lot of money to spend on basically one game, you know, a console to play one game. Yeah, so. it's not launching with very much at all. It's got the one, two switch and arms, which I'm not interested in. Uh, it's got Mario Kart and Mario, the new Super Mario game out in a couple of months. But yeah, that, it's clearly like yeah. Zelda is supposed to be the game that you're supposed to play for a couple of months or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of ideal for me because I've been in... A few situations, even this month as well, where I've been in either in my dad's car or on the bus and I've just been thinking like, I could be playing on the Switch right now if I, <laughs> if I had it. Because um, we drove down to my uncle's on Sunday to watch the uh, main night in the uh, cup final. And then right, on the, yeah. uh, in the car on the way there and on the way back, I just kept thinking like, we're in the car for like 20, 30 minutes. And I was thinking like, yeah, I could be playing Zelda right now on the Switch. But, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, that, I'm not. Yeah. For me, I, it's very rare that if I go somewhere, I'm not driving. So, you know, mm. um, there's not a huge amount of time when I would be out of my house wanting to game. So I don't really see the point in it for me. Okay, because you're, like, you're the one driving the car. Yeah, because so, I'm like, yeah. driving the car most like, of the time. So. Play, so. Yeah. Yeah, be too dangerous. Yeah, but I, like I said, I get in those situations where I'm like, I've either gone to the town um, with yeah. my family and I'm on the bus and I could be playing it there and um, other different situations. So it, it's definitely more ideal for somebody like me. But um, yeah, yeah, I'll see when I can when I can get one. I watched a comedy called Superstore. I don't know if you've heard of it before. I have. I have. I haven't seen yeah, it. it but... It's pretty good. It's from one of the writers of The Office. Of course, The Office I've mentioned I was a big fan of. Yeah. yeah so it's from one of the writers of them. And it's not really the same like a mockumentary thing. It's more sitcom. Yeah. But it's still the same kind of fun people in a office space. Um, but instead of a office, it's, it's a, a Supermarket. Superstore. So it's kind of the same premise, but just in a different place. Yeah. Then, of course, when you're in the 
in the shop, you've got all this room to like maneuver the characters rather than having them in an office just yeah. like, sitting at desks, They're, like walking around doing different things. So yeah, that's been really good. It's kind of filled the void of um, the office nicely. So I've enjoyed that. What else? Uh, watched a Netflix film called Eye Boy, which was quite good. Oh yeah. It's sort of like a sly superhero film without being Marvel or DC or anything like that. Yeah. Um, interesting. Did, did you watch that? I haven't seen it yet. I, it's come up. I've just not had time. Um, okay. But it, yeah. it's been recommended. So It's got um, Maisie Williams in it as I well. I thought she it plays, had, yeah. uh, she, she plays a like, schoolgirl sort of teenager character. So it's, um, right. you know, her age kind of thing. It's not like a, a Carl situation. Yeah. In Walking Dead. So that was really good as always. Well. got some, oh, I like the way his, like, the powers, his powers develop and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, lastly, House of Cards, which I'm almost caught up with. I've got four episodes left because um, what I do is I watch one on Tuesday one on Wednesday one on Thursday if I can um, which the last two times I've gone to do that I've been able to and then I, I listened to a podcast for it that um, they did the episodes in th- in threes so then I sort of listened to watch three episodes listen to a podcast and three yeah. and then a podcast and then they did you know the last three and then the finale so it's just the next three a podcast and then the finale and then another one so uh and then it'll be the wait to may 30th so yeah yeah looking forward to that um just one last thing did you see the um orphan black teaser yes yes i have Uh, it doesn't give an awful lot away to be honest which is why i didn't post it but um that's why it's a teaser yes Easy. Yes. yes, it's a very, very, very small teaser of it, but uh, it's sounding a bit ominous and sounding like some of the clones may not make it to the end, which is, is sort of expected. But I'm surprised that more of them haven't died. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think they're kind of saving that maybe for this last season. Yeah, especially with Kasima. Kind of surprised yes. that as well. Yes, yeah. she's been um, sick for basically since season one. So I think so. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's what I've been up to. What have you been doing? Gaming-wise, I'm still on Elite Dangerous Horizons. Uh, I've I've been playing that pretty much constantly. That's been the only game I, I've been on. I've uh, just bought myself a new ship. I've got an Asp Explorer. So it, I'm just, it's tough making money in that game. But I'm starting to get to a point where I can get further out into the you know, further reach systems. And uh, I can take more passengers so I can do trips out to take passengers out into the further reaches of the galaxy that tends to earn quite a lot more money so that's quite good fun um okay. I, i've playing. heard of elite dangerous it sounds a bit like from what you're describing it sounds like um mass effects but without the exploring out of the ship well it, it's of. sort of yeah it's not yeah you, you're not out of the ship you're basically you're entirely inside the ship at the moment anyway at some point they are planning to set it up so you can get out and walk around and add a sort of fps thing into the game at the moment they can't do that they're just releasing a new update to it which is due any day now that will allow multiple captains to be in one ship so you can have one person flying and one person controlling the guns and stuff so so they're and and uh, they're also you can have somebody if you're in a big enough ship you can have fighters within the ship that kind of drop out so one person can be controlling the fighter as well it's quite good fun it's very rare i mean i'm playing in open play but it's very very rare that you actually see other people because you know space is quite large so <laughs> so uh yeah. and i mean there are quite a lot of no players sky. yeah exactly um 
It's an enormous, enormous world, well, universe that you're you're flying around in. So there's a lot of kind of undiscovered places. You can trade stuff. I mean, it's Elite was is the ultimate daddy trading game. I mean, it's been around since the days on the Spectrum. So, you know, it, it's been around a very, very long time. And I mean, it, it's just, it's good fun if you like those sort of flying games anyway. Uh, so you can trade and you can fight pirates and you know, all that sort of good stuff. So okay. what have you, what have you got that on the PC? Uh, yeah, I've got that on the PC. It is available on the Xbox, I think as well. Mm, so, I've seen it floating around on there. So, um, yeah, so you can, yeah. you can get it on the Xbox, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm playing it on PC cause I've got a full kind of joystick set up for it. Oh, uh, nice. so, <laughs> so yeah, you know, joystick with thrust controller and that sort of stuff. So I, I bought that for it. So, that's really good fun. I like those games. That's sort of keeping me going until Mass Effect comes out, which is next month. Yeah, I think it's twenty fourth at the end of March. Is that uh, what happening in March? So yeah, it's twenty uh, fourth, something around that. Twenty third, yeah, twenty third. That comes out. So I am looking forward to Mass Effect, but this will keep me going for for now. It's a good thing to be able to jump in and out of as well. So. Yeah, you can leave it for a while and then come back. So in March, you've got um, Horizon Zero Dawn, Logan, the new X-Men film, the Nintendo Switch, and Mass Effect. So. Oh, mentioning Logan, actually. I've, I've, oh, just, yeah. I've just discovered, I haven't been to see it yet, but I've just discovered that they are, they've converted the cinema, uh, the Cineworld in Broad Street in Birmingham, and a few of the others around the country, actually, so it's worth checking out. They've converted them to 4DX cinemas. Do you know what 4DX is? No. 4DX is basically, it's a cinema where they have rigged it up so things like the chairs rumble and move, and if it, like, snows on screen, it will snow in the theatre. Oh, God. <laughs> and they've got things that will kind of you know if you're if you're flying through the air they'll kind of blow air in your face and stuff so it's it's all rigged up into this kind of you know you get this extra dimension hence the 4dx thing okay um, that'd be good with some vr films as well yeah to the, like the, add to it even more yeah, yeah i mean you know that that would be good vr would be the next thing i'm sure but um at the moment the they're then and they're specifically kind of written for the movies, it's not like done it automatically. They specifically have a kind of VX track, which is written just for each different movie. It's not like picking it up off sound or anything like that. So it's all tailored for the actual film. Nice. I, I'm not sure whether there's one near you, but it, it's worth looking up. It may only be in Cineworld at the moment. So if you've got Cineworld near you, go and have a look on the website, see if you can find one near you. But uh, yeah, they've they've apparently converted the one in Birmingham. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go and have a... A look at that but logan was one of the films that they had on the list so i i will see if i can go and see that in 4dx and see what it's like nice i'll i'll look that up before i go and see logan actually so, yeah uh, it, see if, if there is one yeah they, they seem to be dotted around the country they were in london but they're they seem to be kind of dotted about now so so you know have a look tv wise ssgb came on the tv uh what last week the week before i think um so that that's the alternative history show on the BBC, which is sort of a bit like A Man in the High Castle, but set in Britain. Oh, okay. So it's it set during Nazi occupation, as though the Nazis have won Battle of Britain. It's basically a t detective drama, pretty much. But you're following somebody who is in Scotland Yard. He's a detective in Scotland Yard. 
and he's kind of been forced to work with the Nazis and uh, the secret police, and they're chasing down people who are, are rebels. And at the base of it, it's sort of a noir detective series, and it's very well written and very well put together. The Nazi occupation stuff adds a little extra dimension to that, but at its core, it, it's pretty much your standard kind of noir detective series. So that's worth checking out if you like that sort of thing. It's worth having a look at. Other new shows, yeah, Lucky Man was back this week as well. So I, I caught up with that. Pretty much the same sort of thing as the first series, although they started off with Harry desperately trying not to use the luck of the bracelet because he's worried about what will happen to his family because there's this whole idea that it, luck tries to balance itself out. So if he uses the bracelet to do something extraordinarily lucky, there will be a negative effect which may be kind of trying to you know give, give his daughter an illness or something okay so like he does something cool or like lucky and then it kind of has like a bad effect on him yes sort of so it could have a bad effect either on him or on uh, more likely on somebody close to him so that that's the premise but then actually they've introduced a new character this season who has also got a lucky bracelet and has had it for a lot longer than harry and he's basically saying they're lying to you about this whole luck balancing it out thing and it's all in your head she basically seems to be saying if you think you're going to have bad luck you'll have bad luck they've not fully explained that yet that seems to be the premise of where they're kind of going of her teaching him how to use the bracelet seems to be the the sort of next step being able to use the bracelet without suffering the negative effects of it so it's good to have that back it was a really strong season the first season so i'm i'm looking forward to to seeing the rest of that homeland as well is i think he's trundling along really nicely you've been, you've been watching homeland. yeah i think they're taking obviously they probably couldn't know because of some sort of us break i'm guessing but having the week break after that explosion kind of killed the momentum a little bit yeah like once i because i watched it yesterday yeah i watched it yesterday and once i kind of got into the episode a bit more like it was sort of 20 minutes in i thought okay the momentum's like back a bit more but uh yeah that was kind of a i get it you like want people to wait and for the cliffhanger and stuff but um like with the cliffhanger and that yeah but, uh, yeah, yeah it was it's it's a pain the american scheduling but you know what can you do like um last week when they had just i think it was supergirl and arrow and had flash and legends yeah yeah, yeah flash yeah, and I mean, legends went off that that was cool. a bit we weird still had some some superhero shows in that um but it, it was it was a bit odd yeah that yeah. was a little weird that that not all of them went off but you know so yeah there there was there was those there mm. was of quinn uh this season i i quite like what they're doing with Quinn. I, I did wonder whether we're going to get the old sort of Quinn back, but I quite like how... We got a bit of that this yeah, week. You, are, like, you, you do get a bit of it, and and you know, he's he's struggling with PTSD and, and they're blaming a lot of his actions on yeah. that. But Carrie clearly, goes up to that, that um, officer and goes, look, this guy's got like um, severe PTSD, PTSD, yeah. PTSD and he like ignores her basically. That's basically what he does and then they just storm the place anyway and I'm like, yeah, That's, you don't just ignore a condition like that. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't. The the, the police like that were around that. cold or something. Yeah, the he's police that were surrounded that were idiots. But yeah, I, I, I think they're handling that as a storyline it's been handled very well and he was right so <laughs> i like where they're going with that i think it's going to vindicate quinn as well which is good 
24 next episode of that now we won't talk too much about 24 because we have a separate 24 podcast which me and matt do you can find on entertainment talk yes uh, we do so what do you think so far i like it yeah it's just the it's just the case of kind of accepting the fact that jack is very likely unlikely to be in this season yes um, and that at least we have this version of 24 yeah i would rather have this than nothing at all definitely mm. um i think eric carr has been a great character and has been a welcome a welcome change in a way not uh, not as in like jack Barrow was boring or anything because he's certainly not but like he's a different type of character and he's yeah. a different you know jack was a c2 agent and he eric is a uh army, um, ranger. army yeah. ranger yeah so it's it's a nice different change of, of pace but the same area of, of kind of work i'm enjoying it it is it still feels very very much like 24 i think it, they're doing a really good job with it and you don't miss jack that much at all really so i think they're doing a great job with it and and yeah. i i'm enjoying that it's uh on fox if you if you want to go and catch up with that yeah still got the clock still got the real time yeah all that good stuff still yeah. got like howard gordon and all those people yeah so, so, yeah, so, so yeah it's good so the thing i watched this week was the oscars um oh dear <laughs> now, yeah now the oscars in actual fact I, I mean there was one event obviously that massively overshadowed the entire thing but as an overall show because i i started watching it on sunday night and it got to about half two in the morning i thought no i i've got to go to bed oh god so yeah. Um, yeah. i i got up, I, I i got up the next morning thinking well i'll go and watch it and of course looked at my phone the first thing and a bloody bbc news alert had popped up saying moonlight wins best picture so i was like okay fine and swiped it away and didn't really read the whole story so i okay, I, yeah. I swiped it off because i didn't really want to see any more than i i'd already seen yeah so yeah. stayed away from the news went downstairs and watched the rest of the ceremony and then of course it gets to the end and Warren Beatty's up on stage with Faye Dunaway and they're reading out Best Picture and he announces La La Land and I'm kind of thinking oh well that's that's weird I'm sure I'm sure they said <laughs> but yeah my phone was a bit different and then and so I, I was sort of watching I didn't see it live I saw it the next morning but without knowing the events and then saw this horror unfold where basically I mean what appears to have happened is Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway had come out um, it was the 50th anniversary of Bonnie and Clyde which is and they starred in it which is, is why they were presenting the award so they come out Warren opens the envelope looks a bit puzzled and kind of yeah. checks inside the envelope again and he's kind of stalling a little bit and kind of looking around he then he then does something which is a little bit of a dick move because he's kind of reading it and although i think he maybe did it to he hands it to faye dunaway to read the name out and i think he partly did that to see whether she would do it whether she actually agreed with it she just looked at it saw la la land and, and read it out and what had happened was they had given him the wrong envelope and it was the envelope for best actress, which was Emma Stone, La La Land. And the card had said Emma Stone, La La Land. So they read it and and uh, then the all the La La Land guys get up on stage and they're giving speeches. Uh, and then somebody had obviously come out of the back and said, no, you've got it wrong. They haven't won. And the producer for La La Land comes to the front, makes a bit of a speech and goes, by the way, we lost Moonlight actually won Best Picture. We're not joking. This is absolutely genuine. They made a mistake. Warren Beatty's now got the right card, and they he takes the card off Warren and holds it up to the camera and goes, uh, "You know, Moonlight Best Picture." 
So then the Moonlight guys have to come up on stage and then do it. was just kind of chaos. Entirely the fault of PricewaterhouseCoopers, who are the guys that are the accountants for it and the, the auditors for the for the entire event. They've entirely taken responsibility. They basically have two envelopes. They have a main envelope and a backup envelope. So Emma Stone actually still had her envelope, which said she won. But somehow the backup envelope had got mixed up with the best picture envelope. So he got given that when he went out on stage and uh yeah chaos ensued so yes right. yeah it's highly embarrassing it, it's interesting to go and watch but it is cringeworthy watching it but it's such a shame because the rest of the ceremony was very very good jimmy kimmel was absolutely fantastic the stuff between him and matt damon was absolutely hilarious because for those that don't know him him and matt damon have this kind of mock feud going on between the pair of them so they're always taking the mickey out of each other. Jimmy always lays into Matt whenever they see them. So there were, there were little things like when Ben Affleck and Matt Damon come up to present an award, they announce him as Ben Affleck and guest instead of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. <laughs> so there was that. And when, when Matt's doing, when Matt's trying to introduce the nominations for the award, they, you know, they have the playoff music when somebody goes on too long. Mm-hmm. They brought up the playoff music when he's just trying to announce the nominations for the award and they're bringing up the playoff music and then they pan the camera down to the orchestra pit and it's Jimmy Kimmel conducting the orchestra. You know, so there, there was some lovely little bits there in that, some great gags between the pair of them and he was funny throughout I, I think he did an absolutely fantastic job it's just such a shame the way that ended yeah but yeah it, I think the highlights the, in fact the whole ceremony yeah, is I watched probably a, up a couple on. of um, highlights on YouTube yeah well. that, the highlights are up on YouTube and certainly the clip of the end bit is on YouTube so uh, worth going to, to watch if you've mm. not seen it they also had the mistake of um, they did the in, in memoriam and I don't know who, whose name it was but they showed somebody's name and apparently the person is actually alive yes it was what they did was that it was a I think a set designer it was a set or a costume designer and they put up her name and she had genuinely died. The problem is the picture they used was of one of her partners who was very much still alive. So they got the right name, but the wrong picture. Uh, which is uh, that's that's really really unfortunate I'd just be heartbreaking for the person that who yeah. is the actual friend whose picture they used so because it, it sort of implies that she was you know although she made it onto the list people didn't really know who it was so that's not cool um, no. so that that was very unfortunate they also missed some really big names off that list you know uh alan rickman wasn't on there david bowie wasn't on there and david bowie not being on there is quite bad considering prince was on there and david bowie arguably has acted a lot more than prince ever did Mm. you know so i i think yeah that that was quite wrong there was a few other notable names that they missed out as well so i yeah they they needed to do a bit more with that that was very badly put together the memorandum thing but you know all that aside i think the the whole ceremony until the final moments went okay but yes there were a few missteps along the way and the last thing i wanted to mention was bill paxton who sadly passed away on uh, on sunday he is the only man to have been killed by an alien terminator and a predator wow. in film he was in I, I think the first thing i remember him from is weird science he played the older brother in weird science but he was in titanic uh, he was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. He was also the lead in the Training Day TV series, which is the remake sort of TV series of Training Day. 
I mean, that hadn't been doing particularly well in the ratings, but definitely won't be coming back for a second season now. No. Just such a shame, because he was, what, 60, 61, 62, something like that. He was I think fa- so, yeah. 62. Very yeah. young for for somebody to pass away. Apparently some complications with the surgery he had. Such such a real shame. Uh, you know, uh, he was in Twister, he was in Apollo 13, you know, some amazing movies and genuinely seemed like a really nice guy from from all the tributes that have been coming in. So, yeah. So real shame to lose somebody like that. So I think that's all the all the general stuff from this week. Uh, we can move on to some film and TV news. Cool. First story that we have this week: USA Network in the US are apparently considering a Suits spin-off. Do you watch Suits? I don't. Oh, okay. No. Um, so you're you're aware of the show though? It's basically yeah, about yeah. started off being about a law firm. And they hire a guy who has an eidetic memory who isn't actually a lawyer, but basically has passed the bar a number of times because he used it as a way of of paying his way through college. He sort of you know was paid by people to take exams and stuff, although technically he's not a lawyer himself. And the series has been going for five seasons. It's now got to the point where he was revealed as being a fraud, having worked at this law firm. And uh, he was sort of wondered where they were going to go from there. But one of the things that happened in the uh, current season, it was the season six mid season finale, so six seasons it's been going for, season six mid season finale. Gina Torres, who played Jessica, who was the senior partner at the law firm, left and her character went off to Chicago for a new start with her boyfriend, Jeff Malone, who's another Whedon alumni played by D.B. Woodside. So it was sad to see that character go because Gina Torres from Firefly, we love Gina. She's a fantastic actress. One of the reasons that apparently she left was because due to some sort of family things, she needed to spend more time at home in L.A. and they shoot suits in Toronto. That's kind of quite a trek from from Toronto to LA on a regular basis. So she decided she wanted to leave and try and get more work directly in LA. They've now said that they've been talking to her about doing a spin-off show based around her character in the show, based around oh. uh, Okay. Jessica Pearson. The only caveat she had to that was they would have to shoot it in LA because that was the whole point of her leaving in the first place. Right. And um, they basically said that the the producer who the showrunner is a guy called Aaron Korsh. She'd said if it had been shot in LA, she'd be on the show forever, and if he'd had his way, she'd be in it forever. So there is a definite desire to go back and do more. That's good. It's whether they can kind of pull something together for that. The only difficulty is if they do that, where they actually left her character which was going off to Chicago to be with her boyfriend that storyline would have to come to an end because my guess is they're either they'd either have to leave her in Chicago but make LA sit in for Chicago which is not impossible I mean you know that's perfectly easy to do yeah yeah they shoot in Toronto but suits is set in New York so you know I mean it's not exactly difficult things that have happened before Every single CSI, no matter where it was set, was all shot in LA. So, you know, so I mean, it's something that's fairly common. The bigger problem you've got is DB Woodside is now a series regular on Lucifer, which he wasn't before. So he would obviously you would expect him to play a major part if they're going to follow her life as they left it set up. So they would have to kind of time jump it forward a bit and maybe have her in a different situation so they can explain the absence of of D.B. Woodside's character. So I I don't know what they would actually do, but 
yeah, I mean, I I would be very happy to see more of that character because Gina Torres is fantastic. She's a great actress. The show's great. I'm I'm always up for having more suits if possible. Cool, good. It's one to go and uh, it's one to go and watch if you if you haven't caught up with it. It's a really well put together show. Okay. Well, what I might do is I check out some some trailers or something and uh, yeah, see, see what, what you I think, think from there. It's you know, very funny and very well put together. I mean, there's a couple of things coming to an end this year, so I might free up a little bit of space. There's things like Fargo, uh, Leftovers, and Broadchurch on their final seasons. So yeah, yeah. so give you give you a bit more space to do so. Next news story we've got is uh, Game of Thrones. Ewan Rion is being cast in the Marvel's Inhuman series. Ewan Rion has played a superhero before because he was in Misfits but he was yeah of course he is best known as Ramsey Bolton the son of Roose Bolton who was just a horrendous character on Game of Thrones yep you could uh, say he was um noticed <laughs> yeah, yeah just an appalling character he's going back to basically playing a, a superhero Although he, he's pretty much as mad as Randy Bolton by the sounds of it. He's playing a character called Maximus the Mad, which, um, you know, so clues in the name. In the Marvel's Inhuman series, Maximus is the younger brother of Black Bolt, Black Bolt being the kind of main lead who is the ruler of the Inhumans. He's described as clever and charming Inhuman that's fiercely devoted to the people of Atalan, uh, especially his brother the King, although he harbours an intense desire to wear the crown himself. So it's it's a bit like he's sort of Loki to Black Bolt's Thor, I guess. That seems to be the kind of setup. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for this. So it's um it's great it's a great uh person that they cast in this. I think there was somebody else they cast in it before who was pretty good. I can't remember their name. But um yeah, I'm really lo- I'm pretty looking forward to it. Yeah. It's it's looking like a good series. Uh, Maximus was exposed to as an infant to the Terrigen Mist, which is the thing that sort of turns them into into inhumans. He had o- no outward signs of mutation. However, it did give him psychic abilities, but he chose chose to hide them from the rest of the inhuman population. So he's kind of very manipulative and and secretive. He's got this uh, psionic power and an extraordinary gifted inventor with a superhuman intellect, an advanced knowledge of physics and mechanics and biology so yeah very very intelligent character apparently i it's a really interesting one for, for him to play with you know and we know he can do these kind of evil mad characters quite well yep, he <laughs> so, yeah. so it's a really yeah. good bit of casting he can play the kind of quiet person and the really evil loud person because his his character in misfits well he, he had some some good character development because he was pretty quiet at the start and then he um got these uh this power and stuff and then he became a like really big character in the show yeah so um yeah, he's got a little range to him. Yeah, so I, I think this is a really good bit of casting. The show is being run by the uh, guy called Scott Buck, who has just come off the back of doing Iron Fist. You know, he's a solid pair of hands to to run for okay, it. Good. It's going to be on ABC in the US on from the 26th of September. It's only got eight episodes in the first run. The first two episodes are also being strung together in IMAX for showing on IMAX yeah, cinemas. Yeah, they're going to be, 
broadcast before the terrestrial broadcast and they're stringing them together kind of like a movie to be shown in, in purely in IMAX cinemas. It's also not being seen as a spin-off from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is interesting because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. obviously uses Inhumans quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's ABC and Marvel and that, so... Yeah, and I mean, it's still ABC, so I mean... I'd, they're saying it's going to be a separate entity, although I, I suspect it will be still be tied into the universe. Yeah, but, I think it will be kind of like one of them loosely tied in in things. Yeah, they they're just sort of saying it's not going. You're not going to see. I don't think Agents of Shield characters directly cross over. Um, I see them twenty two episodes a year, so yeah, exactly. I think I'm okay. <laughs> I think yeah. yes, I think that's fair. Yeah, you're not going to see Inhumans characters come across. I think this is very much a different set of Inhumans set in a very different place. So we don't have a UK pickup for this yet. I suspect it will get picked up at some point, but um, yeah, mm. no, no news yet. It's a bit early for that. I'm hoping that the the IMAX over here will also show it as well. Oh, yes. That yeah, would be good. That would be pretty good. Because yeah. they, they haven't really made that clear right now. So I'm I'm hoping that it will be worldwide IMAX. But September's also, still still a fair bit away. So um Yeah, we've got a bit it, of time. It'll be here before before we know it. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a but bit of time well. before that comes in. Mm. Sticking with superheroes, it's two bits of, of news. Batman has got officially got a new director. Finally. The Batman has got a new director. Mm. And um there's also a Nightwing movie in development, yes. so, which is awesome news. So first of all, the Batman director is, I think we probably mentioned a while back, uh, Ben Affleck has stepped down from directing the Batman standalone movie, basically because I think he decided that it was going to be too much work being in the cape and cowl and then being behind the camera as well. It was quite a lot to deal with. Was he writing so, it as well? Uh, yes, and he's been yeah, writing it. So, hmm. so there is quite a lot going on yeah, there. He's got- Justice League to be in as well so yeah and I mean there have been rumours floating around that he actually wants to stop playing Batman as well but I, how true those are I don't know he he certainly when the the new director who's a guy called Matt Reeves when Matt Reeves was announced as the new director he did send a tweet out saying welcome to the Batcave so that doesn't sound like somebody who wants to stop being Batman but yeah yeah you know Matt Reeves if you don't know the name, he was started off working with J.J. Abrams on Felicity, the TV show. He directed Cloverfield, Let Me In, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and directed the upcoming War for the Planet of the Apes, all of which were really great films. So, you know, yeah. a, a good deal, you know, good deal of, of CGI stuff and great stories. So I, I think it's a really good pair of hands to, to put the film into. He's commented that he's been in love with the Batman story since he was a child, said he's such an iconic and compelling character and one that resonates with me deeply. I'm incredibly honoured and excited to be working with Warner Brothers to bring this epic and emotional new take on the Cape Crusade to the big screen. So he seemed quite psyched about it. Mm. Yes. Oh, we got Deathstroke in there as well, haven't we? Yes, uh, oh, anyway. Deathstroke seems to be certainly one of the major villains. It, we don't know whether it's Affleck's script that's being used or not, or whether it's going to be rewritten in some way. I mean, that may be the other reason why Affleck stepped away. Maybe Warner Brothers didn't like the script he was going for, but I, I don't know. Don't know. Uh, it's a tricky situation, particularly as the guy's the star as well. So mm. yeah, I reckon he'll still have some input into it. Certainly, yeah, I, I, maybe I'm like. Sh- I'm sure he script and say we'll take these parts out of it and then I'll add my own thing in here. Yeah, I mean, I hopefully they they still stick with it and you know it's something that they're all happy with. Uh, I would hope. Mm. Um, now all we need is a bat family related 
TV show and I'll be happy. Yes, yeah, I, I'm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a shame that that hasn't come along yet. But we are getting a Bat Family related movie, which is uh, Nightwing. Apparently, yes. there is there is a Nightwing film in development. Nightwing, for those of you that don't know your Bat history, Nightwing is Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson being the original Robin. There have actually been five in total, in current continuity anyway. So Dick Grayson's the original Robin. He basically goes on to become Nightwing after he ditches the Robin persona and sort of comes out from under Batman's shadow. And then he goes to protect, um, I think it's Bloodhaven. Yeah, yeah, he goes yeah. he goes to Bloodhaven. He's he's moved around a bit. I'm not sure. I don't think he's in Bloodhaven in the okay. current books, but yes, Bloodhaven is certainly where he's majorly associated with. Mm. I mean, Dick Grayson has been Nightwing since 1984. So, you know, he's been that character for a very, very long time in the books. And certainly more anybody that's read the more mob, modern books think of of Dick Grayson as Nightwing over being Robin. And and there's there's a lot of people saying, "Well, how can they do Nightwing when they haven't introduced a Robin in the films but they have they have introduced a Robin in the films in the current continuity albeit a very dead one but but he was in the films because we saw the Robin suit with the ha 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 thing written over it yeah yeah so what's interesting for that is that Robin it wasn't entirely clear who that was although I think a lot of people assume that was Jason Todd who was Robin number two because he was the one that was killed in the books that seems to be the case if they're now thinking about doing a Nightwing movie which means that they could also introduce a Robin as well because they could introduce Robin number three who is probably one of the better known ones these days which is Tim Drake Mm -hmm. who is somebody that comes to Batman sees Batman going down a very dark path and comes to Batman and argues that Batman needs a Robin to balance out the sort of light and dark. So Tim Drake's a, a far more interesting character out of those as well. I would also be quite happy if they introduced Damian Wayne as well, because Damian Wayne's a brilliant Robin who is the son of Bruce and Talia al Ghul. He's the current Robin. Okay, yeah, that was the one thing I couldn't quite clearly remember, but yeah. Yeah, Damian Wayne's the current Robin in the books and uh, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful character because he's kind of well, was, was raised by the League of Assassins so he's not your normal child he's sarcastic and there is a slight cruel streak to him but he he refers to um, Alfred isn't Alfred he's Pennyworth you know he, he kind of sees everybody else as being below him he's been raised by you know Ra's al Ghul and Talia al Ghul so you know he he's not a, a normal kid in any way shape or form but yeah. he, he's a wonderful wonderful character and he actually first becomes Robin at the point where in the books where Dick Grayson is actually playing Batman because Bruce has disappeared so you had this weird dynamic where Batman was actually the lighter character and Robin was actually the darker character. That was a lovely, lovely dynamic. And that's also something that's quite interesting with with a Nightwing movie is if Ben is making noises about not wanting to be Batman anymore, it's distinctly possible that whoever you cast as Nightwing, if Bruce gets killed off or decides to stop being Batman at some point in the films i.e. Ben doesn't want to do it anymore, rather than recasting Bruce for somebody else, it does then put you into the position of you could shift whoever they cast as Nightwing into the Batman outfit. Yeah. So so it gives them a a decent in-movie continuity, which they wouldn't have otherwise. So I I think it's a, a, a really interesting choice. 
for a standalone film. Yeah. Um, who do you think they could cast as Nightwing? There's rumours of like Stephen Young to like Zac Efron. Yeah, so. I'd, I'd seen Zac Efron be, being mentioned. I mean, it, it needs to be somebody probably, you know, mid-twenties. It needs to be somebody that's kind of young, good-looking, obviously very fit. There's, there's a lot of things about uh, Nightwing's backside because there are gratuitous butt shots in, in a lot of the books because he, mm-hmm. he is wearing a very tight-fitting Lycra kind of suit. So, uh, yes, there, there's a lot of things about, well, as long as he has a good ass, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of the tweets that i saw but yeah it's, it's I, I think you know zach efron i think would actually be an interesting pick for it i think he's quite a, a good choice i don't know i don't know who else you could pick but yeah uh, i think it just needs to be somebody who's who's in that kind of you know that that age range of sort of mid-20s just very mm-hmm. fit very good looking charming funny because that he's really who dick grayson is he's a he's a much lighter character he's not dark he's not brooding he's a he's far lighter and and far more you know i think it could be really interesting to add that into that whole bat universe it also gives you an opportunity to bring in people like barbara gordon as well either as yeah, Batgirl or Batgirl as, and all that stuff yeah either and as, you can do oracle and yeah. yeah, I mean, that that would be an interesting thing to do on screen, to do that sequence of Barbara getting shot and becoming Oracle. Yeah, that would be pretty cool to have like a killing, um, a live action killing joke film. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the animated one? Yes, yes, I saw the animated one that has that weird thing about Bruce and Barbara getting it on on a rooftop, which was a bit weird. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the sort of it's very much a film of two halves. The bit that follows the book in that animated film is great. The other bit of it is okay, but not brilliant. So you know, it also gives you a chance to to introduce Birds of Prey as well if you bring in Barbara. So yeah, there's plenty, of, there's plenty of things you can do. You, know, so, you can do the whole um, Red Hood thing and yeah, yeah, uh, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, J- so. Jason Todd. I mean, you know, I'm as as you probably know, I'm a huge fan of Red Hood, so I I would like to see Jason Todd brought in, brought in as well. I think that would be interesting. Yep, superhero films are going to be around for a while. Yes, so. yeah. It's nice to see them start to expand the Bat Family on screen, which is something they've never ever done before. So you know, yep. I want to see that. That's the end of the news for this week. Next up, we have an interview. <laughs> 
The interview this week is with the author Lev Grossman, who written various novels, but the thing he's probably most famous for is The Magicians. He's a, an American, New York-based novelist and journalist, released his first novel, which was called Warp in 1997. His second was called Codex in 2004, which became an international bestseller. However, it's The Magicians, which is, is the work he's probably best known for, which was published in 2009, which really shot him into the stratosphere, became a New York Times bestseller and one of the New Yorker's best books of the year. We got to talk to him to celebrate the arrival of The Magicians Season 2, which is a TV show based on the books which is airing Tuesday nights at 9pm on Five Star we had a chance to get on the phone and chat with him about what it's like seeing the written work being brought to life on screen we talk about how things have changed from the page to the screen and how he coped with that process of somebody else taking on his work as well this is the interview with Lev hope you really enjoyed this it's about 15-20 minutes long we'll see you afterwards with some air dates and highlights for next week <laughs> Hi, Lev. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you for spending a bit of time talking today. Not at all. It's my pleasure. You're on to talk a bit about your, well, your book and the TV show, which is The Magicians, which just started back in, in the UK for its second season. Right. So first thing I wanted to ask you is how did you feel when you were first approached about the idea of turning your books into a TV show? Well, I should clarify, I spent quite a while approaching people. Oh, right. Um, I was the aggressor for a while. I spent a few years going around Hollywood talking to people about making a show out of the magicians because I thought it would be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and I talked to a lot of people. You know, some, there were a couple of places where we actually started developing it and then for various reasons, it didn't go forward. So um, when I met with John and Sarah, the showrunners, I'd already done that five or six times. Yeah. Um, the difference with John and Sarah was it's a little bit inside baseball, uh, as we say in America. <laughs> but uh, generally it happens, you go to a studio and then they say, okay, we're going to assign some writers to this. The difference with John and Sarah was that they were writers already. So right. it was like, I was picking the writers uh, who were going to do it. I knew these were people who had a sensibility that was similar to mine. And when I met with them, it was it was such a relief because I wasn't having to explain everything and explain the books and explain myself. They already knew and they understood what I was trying to do. So, you know, there was a satisfying click when I first met with John and Sarah. Yeah, I was going to say, given that it's something that you know, you've created and then you're you're handing it over to, to somebody to basically reinterpret your work, how is that process working for you? Because... I know you've you've not directly written any scripts for the show, as far as I can tell. Yes, that's right. That's correct. Um, well, it's a good question. Following the satisfying click, um, <laughs> there was a lot of angst on my part because uh, I've been a writer my whole life. Um, writing books, it's a very solitary activity. You know, you write a novel, you, you really get to call most of the shots yourself. Yeah. You write all the dialogue. When you're writing a book, you're like you're it's like you're directing. Something you put, you point the camera, you tell everybody how to do their lines, you dress them up in their costumes. <laughs> when you get into the world of TV, you surrender all of that control. Yeah. Suddenly, there's five people whose job is just to tell you what all the characters are wearing. <laughs> I'm not used to being told what my characters are wearing, and it was uh, it was a real adjustment. It was a real adjustment. I'm not used to collaborating, and it took me a while to understand what John and Sarah's sort of. Um, 
took me a while to understand how you tell stories on TV, which yeah. is different from how you tell stories on, on paper. You know, things that you, on, in a novel, you can hold back secrets until the very last pages. Um, you can sort of slow play the reveals, um, you know, for half the book can't really do that on TV. You have to kind of reveal the whole premise early on. Yeah. Um, there's lots of stuff like that. I'm not used to actors um, <laughs> uh, who, you know, who will, say, who will say my lines however they want. It was, a, it was a real adjustment. And, you know, John and Sarah, it's interesting. I mean, John doesn't come. John uh, is an in- incredibly intelligent, dramatic, funny writer. He doesn't come from a fantasy background. That's right. not kind of his, where he, where he comes out of. Sarah is much more that that background, but a little bit more of a horror person okay. um, than I am. So, you know, subtle differences start coming out. And I think we all had to kind of feel our way into that. Given that you're now sort of into the second season or the second season's airing in the US, has that process got easier? Because I, I think you've said before in interviews, there were some changes to the storyline you weren't a huge fan of initially. Has it got easier to sort of accept those compromises now you're into a second season? Oh, completely. Um, the the uh, I would say the, the process of acceptance is complete. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, now I, I see the show for, for what it is, which it has, its, you know, it has its, its own complete integrity, which is subtly different from the books and sometimes not so subtly. But what's happened is I've become a huge fan of it, basically. Right. Uh, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm involved with the process. I, I give a ton of feedback. But I also just get a lot of pleasure from watching it and watching where they take it, which is places that I never could have taken it. Yeah. They think of things that I never would have thought of. Have you ever been tempted to actually write a, a script for the show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find that very tempting. <laughs> the first season, I was I was very um, – um, not. it wasn't at first because I didn't understand screenwriting yeah. at all. I would look at these scripts and think, well, so how are they going to make that line work? Or what is that? I don't understand how this is going to happen, what it's going to look like on screen. And I've been watching them go from screenplay to finished show. I feel like I'm starting to get how this works. And no question, I find it very tempting to try to take a, a shot at it. There's a couple of lines in the in the first season that snuck in that were mine. I, I you know, I... I <laughs> In a very few occasions, tinkered with the dialogue, and some of it made it on screen. But uh, I want to, I want to figure this out, and I want actually want to take a shot at it yeah. at some point. Yeah, too late for the second, but maybe yeah. the third. Yeah, that would be very cool. One of the things that I, I do, if I'm, I know I'm coming on to to interview somebody that's got a, an established fan base out there. I went on to Reddit. I know you did a Reddit Ask Me Anything quite recently, but I went on to Reddit and sort of said, "I'm interviewing, mm, yeah. I'm interviewing Lev. Have you got any more questions you'd like to ask him?" So some of these questions have come come off people on Reddit. There was a, a somebody called Froyo 1998 who asked, "Are there any chance you'd make the Fillory books an actual thing?" Uh, I recently got into the show and the books, or I always thought it'd be cool to be actually actually be able to read the fillery books themselves it's funny i started the first one i wrote the first chapter of the first book right and i think it's actually it's online somewhere it's kicking around um i couldn't off the top of my head say where it is but probably some googling could could turn it up I enjoy I, I enjoyed it a lot. The the problem is that in some ways the story of the books and the show is the kind of exploding of the of the myths that are laid out in the books. Right. So in a way it would be sort of it's a little like reversing entropy. Um, the books <laughs> are kind of take apart what Plubber built in the in the Fillory books. I, I would have to sort of not reverse engineer it exactly, but kind of 
roll back that process. It's very tempting to me because that whole idiom, that mid 20th century Narnian idiom, it's it's very natural to me because it's when I grew up reading. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to rule it out. When I wrote that first chapter, the first chapter of The World in the Walls, it was very easy. I tried to throw in a little bit more. It wasn't exactly C.S. Lewis. I tried to throw in a little sort of arch kind of Evelyn Waugh stuff. It was further back. It was First World War stuff uh, also. It was set in the First World War rather than the second. Yeah. Um, I haven't ruled it out, um, but uh, I've got some of the things I need to take care of first. <laughs> Jeff Hampton asked, if you were starting the book series today, is there anything that would be different to what you originally published? <laughs> um, God, the Redditors are um, they're, they're pretty ruthless. <laughs> uh, well, that's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. There are individual lines that I regret um, right. and would change now. Yeah. Um, Turns of phrase or, or that, that, I, that I thought, I mean... There's literally maybe three or four of them um, that I think I always think back and think, "Mm, I would do that different. Um, I guess the major question, the the, the major question for me, if I'm time traveling and starting the books all over again, is in the show, they tell um, Quentin's story and Julia's story at the same time. In the books, they're kind of time shifted. There's the first book has Quentin's story. The, Julia, the second book has Julia's story. They're happening at the same time, but I tell them in different books. It's yeah. very interesting the way that the show tells them at the same time. Um, uh, and you can see there's echoes and resonances and symmetries that come out when they do that. Um, yeah. I'd be tempted to try it in fiction if I were if I were doing it now. As it happened, I didn't really figure out about Julia, her voice and her story until the second book. But if I were going back... And it's interesting the way the show overlaps them, and I might be tempted to do that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to go back and have a version, a print version of what is essentially the sort of inspired by the TV show, which would be an intriguing backwards kind of way of doing <laughs> no, I need it. To do like a novelization of the uh, TV show based on the novel, yeah. Uh, this hopefully is a little bit easier. Tyler7680, where did you come up with the name of Break Bills for the school? Um, this may be disappointing. Um <laughs> I was right I, when I, I started the books. I started the magicians. I was in um, a part of the country that we call upstate New York, which is north of New York City, where it's still it's 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 quite rural and it has a really old New England kind of Yankee feel to it. And I wanted a name that it had that kind of slightly portmanteau feel of Hogwarts but had a, instead a very, uh, what, to what felt to me like American, maybe a little old Dutch right. um, kind of feel to it. And I was in a house that I was borrowing from somebody else. And as you do when you're using somebody else's desk, you look through their mail, which is on their desk <laughs> yeah. uh, without their permission. And there was an address and it was sort of break bills road somewhere or other. And I looked at it and thought, that's rather good. It has some of that sort of hard, flinty, Puritan feel to it. Break yeah. bills. Yeah. Um, let's try that. And if it's bad, I'll fix it later. <laughs> but then it stuck. Yeah, it's a great name. I, I like it. So there was a, a question from somebody called Noises Art. Uh, said, I would like to ask him whether Welters is inspired by Escheton from the David Foster Wallace Infinite Jest books. Because a lot of people have said how much Break Bills feels like Hogwarts to them. But Break Bills, at least the book version, always felt, felt to me more like a neurotic and full of compulsion and overachievers 
It always seemed closer to Enfield Academy with magic than Hogwarts with drugs. <laughs> that's a very good question. I'm having like a, that's a really good question because uh, Infinite Jest was a big book for me. Yeah. Um, and I also, I used to live there. I used to live uh, in Austin, which is the part of Boston where that, where the Enfield Tennis Academy is. Right. I mean, and I'm sure I was like a block or two from where, where, where David Foster Wallace put it. That's a really good comparison. And I was very aware of Eskadon. That's so funny. Interesting. See, this is where you, where, where, uh, you realize how little authors know about their work. That's a very <laughs> good connection. I think it's probably true. Yeah. I think yeah. it's probably true. Interesting. Talking of inspirations, uh, Marinox19 asked, how do you think Dungeons and Dragons shaped the generation of writers that you belong to? And how did the game provide roots for the magicians? I don't know whether you're ever a D&D player, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cop to that. You know, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes you, you, uh, you meet some of these very distinguished um, literary chaps who've written some very fancy stuff um, and scratch the surface and you find a real D&D nerd, you know, just just underneath. Um, a lot of writers that I know played when they were kids. Um, it, was an, it was especially important for me just because, you know, I was really trying to translate some traditional fantasy narratives and tropes into the idiom of realism. Just think really hard about how this would actually work if we were playing by real world rules. And that's very much what they did in Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, they yeah. really took, you know, they took, no one ever, you know, there was no system to Gandalf's magic, for example, or the White Witch's magic. Yeah. Um, but they had to figure out, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons guys had to figure out how to, you know, how to emulate it. Um, yeah. and figure out on a very, very practical mundane level how it would work. You know, are you tired after you cast a spell? How long before you can cast another one? What exactly do you need? How long does it take? All that stuff. They asked these questions that nobody had ever asked before. Yeah. And when I was writing the magicians, I found myself asking the same questions. And it was really helpful to have um, have that work. Just the old Dungeons and Dragons rule books, which are, you know, I've basically uh, are permanently engraved in my subconscious now. Um, <laughs> to have those to build on, it was really essential. It was really essential. I actually can't overstate how, how important it was to have that stuff to build on. Awesome, awesome. My time is, is now up, so I shall uh, let you get back to your other interviews today. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. So that was the interview with Lev. Hope you really enjoyed that. As you say, you can go and find The Magicians. It's on Tuesday nights at 9pm on Five Star if you want to go and catch up with season two of that. I think season one is up on the box sets as well, so you can probably go and watch that too. Next up, we have some air dates and highlights for next week. Kicking off the air date section this week, we have uh, one renewal. Lethal Weapon has been renewed for a second season before it's even started to air over here. It comes up very, very soon. So uh, 3rd of March it comes on over here. Looking forward to that. Have you ever seen the original Lethal Weapon movies? You might be a it's bit weird, young. It's um, weird because I was in the um, spare room that I record my podcast in and I looked to my right and the Lethal Weapon films are actually right next to me. Oh, really? Um, so, yeah, that's that's an option if yeah. I, uh, if I you fancy should. it. 
You what, should what go and watch them. It's a buddy cop movie. I mean, it's it's the quintessential American big budget buddy cop films. So it's it's two police officers who are thrown together that don't really like each other. In this case, it's uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. And the TV version, it's uh, obviously two different actors playing the roles, but the premise is basically the same. So the movie version, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. Mel Gibson's lost his wife. He's basically suicidal and is kind of crazy. He plays a character called Martin Riggs and it opens with Martin jumping off a building, kind of kind of trying to talk down a jumper. And he's paired up with... In the movie cases, it's with Danny Glover playing a character called Roger Murtar, who is getting too old for being a police officer or thinks he's too old for being a police officer and is trying to kind of take early retirement. And then he gets matched up with this young, slightly crazy kid who gets him into all, all sorts of trouble. <laughs> so they basically take the same sort of premise for the TV show, but there are a few differences in that Damon Waynes plays the Roger Murtaugh character and he's not trying to retire, but he's basically suffered a mild heart attack and they're trying to reduce his stress levels. And then they put him together with Martin Riggs, who again is a slightly suicidal cop. He's lost his wife and he's kind of pushing them all into these kind of all action sequences, basically. So uh, okay, cool. I think there's four films, three films. Yeah, there are four films in total. They are worth watching the original films, but you don't need to have seen the films to watch the TV show. The, okay. the, the TV show is sort of a reimagining of of the movies, but they've tweaked things somewhat, and some of the characterizations are a little bit different. I've seen the first two episodes of the TV show. It's really, really good. They've done a really nice job with it. As you can tell by the fact that it's got a second season renewal. So, you know, it's it's going down very well in the US. It starts over here on the 3rd of March. It's on ITV, of all places. It's it's a sort of rare premium primetime buy of a US network show for ITV. So go and support it. They may do it a bit more. Okay. I don't know if... ITV is an ideal place for that. They have like yeah. weird dramas and stuff like yeah, Victoria. I, I, I and, know what you mean. It, it's yeah. an odd, it's an odd buy for ITV, but they they made a big song and dance about the fact that they've done it, and it's it's something they're trying. It's the first time they bought a a major US drama in a very, very long time. But it, it's it's very kind of popularist. It's fun. It's action-filled. I I would advise to go and watch it. I really enjoyed the first couple of episodes. It's funny as well. I, I think it's worth going to watch. In terms of other changes this week, we've got uh, BattleBots. A number of people have been asking about on the website. We don't have an exact date for season two of that, but it will be coming to spike at some point in the early part of this year. So I think they're saying sometime before... April, they're planning on running that, but we don't know exactly when yet. Okay, that was pretty good. The um, the first yeah. season, first season yeah. of that. It's, it's and I also of... heard some good things from American people as well. Yeah, um, to say that they liked it, so um, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's a bit different to Robot Wars in that the the bots are are far more varied and far more interesting, and it's a lot more violent as well. So it's it's a good show. It's if you like Robot Wars, it's less sort of technical in the way that they put it together, or you know they don't go into as much kind of detail as BBC do on Robot Wars. But it's still it's if you like watching robots beating the hell out of each other, it's it's worth watching. 
So, nice. so Lethal Weapon, as we mentioned, that's on the 3rd of March on ITV at 9pm. Go and watch that. There is a new drama called Big Little Lies coming to Sky Atlantic on the 13th of March. That's from David E. Kelly, who is a very well-known American screenwriter. It's starring Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman and Charlene Woodley. It's about conflicts, secrets and betrayals and murder in a tranquil little seaside town in Monterey, California. If you like those sort of dramas, it'll be worth watching. It's a sort of dark comedy drama. It does look quite funny from the trailers and bits and pieces I've seen. And that's a fairly spectacular cast as well. David E. Kelly does write some really interesting stuff. Ali McBeal is probably the thing he was best known for. But um, yeah, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman in a TV series. So, you know, that's fairly good start. Yeah. Next, we have Vampire Diaries. Finally, part two of season eight, which is the final season and the last few episodes of it is coming to ITV2 on the 15th of March at midnight. <laughs> so somebody needs to... from midnight, I guess. Yeah. Stuff. Yes, somebody yeah. needs to explain to ITV just because they show has vampires in it, you don't need to show it in the middle of the night. <laughs> but... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's back for the final few episodes, which I know a lot of people will be looking forward to. Hopefully, people have managed to avoid going to download it and have been patient enough to wait. But uh, yeah. Season 8, Part 2, that's on the 15th of March at midnight for Vampire Diaries. Silicon Valley is back in April. Don't have the exact date for that, but uh, Season 3 of that is on Sky Atlantic. Brilliantly, brilliantly funny show. Well worth watching. It's one of the best half-hour comedies on TV right now. Really, really worth watching. So if you've not caught that, go and watch it. American Gods, we've got an air date for as well. Coming to Amazon Prime on the 1st of May. This is the story of the old Norse gods who are living amongst us and they are battling the new gods, which are are sort of gods of media and technology and and that sort of stuff. So there is a war between the old and the new. Uh, It's based on a Neil Gaiman, very famous Neil Gaiman novel. It looks brilliant. It looks like it's going to be superb. Stars Ricky Whittle from, I'm sure you'll say Hollyoaks. <laughs> yeah, Hollyoaks and, uh, and The 100. Yes, The 100, mm. which more people will probably know him from. But yes, Hollyoaks and The yeah. 100. Uh, so, yes, doing rather well for himself. You like he... testing my um, Hollyoaks knowledge, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, yes, he's playing the lead. It's got Ian McShade in it as well. And Gillian Anderson as well is also in it. So it, it's got a really solid cast. It, it looks fantastic. I will be looking forward to that. But 1st of May on Amazon and Prime American Gods star. Gillian Anderson and one of the Doctor's companions no Gillian or am I thinking of somebody else you're thinking of somebody else Gillian Anderson from X-Files oh G- oh okay and, yeah. and The Fool The, the Fool yeah. yes okay I get you now <laughs> uh, yes so she's in it as well next up we have Gunpowder which the BBC announced this week this is starring Game of Thrones Kit Harrington. it's a three part one off drama about the infamous plot to blow up the Houses of Parliament this looks like it could be quite good and interesting it's what the BBC does best is these sort of little three-part dramas, historical things. Yeah, they do a lot of them, don't they? BBC like to do sort of three or four, maybe six episodes yeah. um, for a show. They're very good on these little kind of three-part dramas, one-off dramas, so they're doing that. They haven't given officially a date, but if it's not the, of November the 5th this year, because they have said it's later this year, so it's going to be November the 5th or at least that weekend, otherwise what's the point? So, <laughs> mm. you know, yeah, it's going to be Get Round Guy Fawkes Night. Interestingly, 
the the entire premise of it is is not based around Guy Fawkes. It's based around the person who I can't remember the name of the character, but it's the person that actually was the mastermind behind the plot to blow up the Houses of Parliament, which wasn't actually Guy Fawkes. It was somebody else. Should be a good historical drama, I think that. But it's called Gunpowder. It's coming in, I suspect, November the fifth on BBC One. Last of the Changes, Ratburger, which is a, an adaptation of David Williams's children's book. It's Sky's big Christmas thing for 2017, so it will be on Christmas Day, I suspect, in December this year, coming to Sky One. It's a children's book, so obviously I really don't know it, but it, the... Okay, there you go. Uh, but but yeah. it's a David Williams book. It's very very popular. It's it's what Sky has been done a number of times from sort of adapting Terry Pratchett through to Last Dragon Slayer, which they did last year, and a number of other things as as well. So they've made quite a, a number of these sort of big budget Christmas dramas. So this is the latest of it, of bringing the kind yeah. of children's book to life. So that should be quite good. David Williams is actually starring as the uh, the lead character in it as well. And it should be a good family drama for Christmas, that one. Okay. Karen Gillan is the one that I was thinking of. Oh, the yes. The Doctor's Companion. I had to Google her because I couldn't. Yeah, I had to just clear that. Yes, Sorry. of course. Of yeah, course you're Karen right. Gillan. Yeah. Next week on TV, we have Benidorm is back for its ninth season. That's on ITV. See, that's the sort of thing you expect to find on ITV. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. That's on the 1st of March at 9pm, which is the British sitcom about an all-inclusive hotel in Benidorm. I have to say, I've never seen an episode of it because I don't watch that many ITV dramas so uh, or comedies. Yeah, ITV and Channel 5 are probably my least watched yeah. channels. I'm the same. Um, Channel 4 and Sky are probably the main ones, you know. Yeah. Like Fox. I'm yeah, I'm I'm very much the same. But I hear it's very, very good and it's got nine seasons already. So, you know, mm. must be I've doing seen bits something. And of it and it's yeah. looked pretty good. It, so. Yeah, sure, it's quite funny. So ITV first of March at nine PM. That is Quantico, season two of that coming to Alibi on the second of March at nine PM. I really love the first season of that. I I know it's the second season hasn't done amazingly well in the ratings in the US, so I don't know whether it's going to make it to a third. But I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really good and uh, opens with a double bill as well. That's Quantico season two on Alibi on the 2nd of March at 9 p.m. Prime Suspect 1973. This is a prequel to the hugely, hugely popular Prime Suspect. That's coming on the 2nd of March at 9 p.m. At, on ITV. Again, I've never seen a single episode of Prime Suspect, so <laughs> there you go. Lethal Weapon, as we mentioned, that's coming on 3rd of March at 9 p.m. Robot Wars, the other show about large robots beating the hell out of each other, mm -hmm. that returns for a second season of its kind of newest incarnation that's coming on the 5th of march at 7 p.m is that really... this saturday this sunday yes that's this sunday which will okay. then be followed uh, so that's robot wars 7 p.m on sunday that's going to be followed by top gear which is back for its 24th season and that's going to be at 8 p.m that's going to have matt leblanc chris harris and rory reed take over the reins as the three main presenters i think that should be really good i've got quite high hopes for this working is, this time um, around. Is Matt the host of that? Or yes. do they not really have a, a host? It's you, Well, you know how they set it up before where it was Clarkson, Hammond and May. 
it's yeah. basically Matt LeBlanc, Chris Harris, and Roy Reed are the three main hosts now. Okay. So so that's how they're running it. And they were certainly the strongest people from last season. So I think that's the right setup. And I, I've got high hopes for this working this time around. Because if this doesn't work, then Top Gear has some serious problems. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think hopefully this will be good. There's always um, Grand Tour. Yes. Grand Tour? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's always Grand Tour. But I do want this to work for the BBC. I want them to have a top gear that is fun and funny and works well so we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes i'm mm. sort of glad i'm very glad they've got rid of chris evans because he was the most annoying thing on what's that he, show what's he doing season. now chris I, he's uh, no tv he's he's back to doing his bbc breakfast show i think i don't think he's back on tv so oh okay so he's back to the radio which is a good place for him because i can avoid him there so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um uh. 5th, 5th of March at 8pm on BBC2, Top Gear Season 24, that returns. I can understand people that say there's nothing on TV, like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> I know, I know, I, I'm struggling to actually record all the things onto the Skybox at the yeah. moment. There is a lot, a lot and lot of stuff on TV right now, so there's no excuse not having something to watch, definitely. I mean, even things like things that have been on in the past, things that you're catching up with, things that you're watching yeah. weekly. When, Just, whenever someone says, oh, there's nothing on tonight, I'm like, really? really? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I think I, you should get a, a freebie box and the Netflix and now TV and then yeah. me later. Yeah, as you said so, before, if you you will never, ever be short of something to watch if you got... Netflix adding a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. I've been on there because, of course, I've been watching House Cards. And I don't know if it's new stuff or things that they are advertising that's new-ish, but I've seen, like, a new thing advertised on there almost every time I've gone on yeah. there. So, Net- yeah. Netflix are... Yeah, have they're, a f- they're diving into some um, films and stuff now that they're doing mm. as well. So, uh, I mean, they've been doing it for a while, but um, yeah. they're doing more of those. So, yeah. yes. Netflix have a phenomenal amount of stuff on. And as we've said before, for the, pri- for the price of a standard Sky subscription, you can get Netflix, Amazon Prime, and a Now TV box. So, you know, there is no excuse not to have something to watch right now. And then next month, there's all next month, they've got um, Iron Fist and they've got Netflix's Love. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, Love. Uh, yeah, that's... On Netflix. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have almost around the same day, actually. They might be. Yeah. Uh, but those two are coming on as well. So. Yeah. And and you've still got, like, you will have Designated Survivor coming back. You've got... Um, yeah. You've got Travellers, if you've not seen that already. That's on Netflix. That's a fantastic series. There is mm-hmm. a lot of Riverdale. really good stuff on... Yeah, Riverdale. You've got a lot of really good stuff on, mm. on Netflix to watch. And, you know, if you can get an Amazon account as well, you've got things like Sneaky Pete and Man in the High Castle and, uh, you know, uh, Grand Tour. There's some great, great stuff out there yeah. on the streaming service. I mean, I don't watch everything, but I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of options out there. Yes, but, yeah. You yeah. should never be short of something to watch at this point, I think is what we're saying. Yes. All right, so that's everything we have for this week. If you want to find out more throughout the week, you can go to geektime.co.uk and see all the latest air date information and the latest TV news as well. Come and check the front page. We've got loads of new stories going up. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, you can email podcast at geektown.co.uk. You can leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown, and on Instagram at Geektown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.